Many people are using the FaithFi app to help provide the wisdom, community, and money management to stay on track, financially speaking. To date, over 37,000 members are using its digital envelope system, participating in our community forums, and engaging in virtual workshops. And one of the most convenient features is the ability to keep all your accounts in one place for an easy at-a-glance view. You can choose from one of three options depending on your management style, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to faithfy.com and click App to get started. James 1.22 encourages us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, lest we deceive ourselves. Hi, I'm Rob West. Putting God's word into practice may present a few challenges for families, but also some wonderful opportunities. I'll talk about that today with Brandon Sieben. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, we're delighted to have Brandon Sieben on the program today. After an extensive career in the manufacturing and financial sectors, he's now president and CEO of Compass Finances God's Way. And Brandon, it's great to have you with us. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. Such an encouragement to see the work you and Faith and Finance are doing. So important to God's people. Well, thank you. And uh, we share the sentiment about Compass. I want to talk today about really handling money God's way as a family. I know you and your wife, Deb, began applying biblical principles to money management early in your marriage. What motivated you to become doers and not just hearers of the Word? Well, we both grew up Christian, so we had a decent baseline, but God motivated us to action through a couple forcing functions. First, we got married right out of college. My first job paid 25000 a year, and Deb was still looking. Uh, wow. Big hopes and dreams, of course, yeah. but not a lot of money. So we knew we needed to get on the same page with the plan, and so that led to our first budget. And then practically the day after our wedding, Deb's dad stopped by and handed me an envelope, and in it was Deb's car loan with nine grand still due on it. Oh, wow. And he just said, good luck, and walked away. And so, you know, we had to confront debt day one in our marriage, and make a real choice. Are we going to go out this week and or pay down the car? You know, God and money take one kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that becomes real in a hurry. <laughs> well, now I know you and Deb have been blessed with uh, some amazing daughters, Kay, Nina, and Georgia. You've had a ton of conversations with them about handling money God's way. What did you find most important to talk about with your girls? Well, a lot, and admittedly, we're still learning as we go. You probably are too, and it's a hard topic to deal with, you know, with your kids. But some of the things that have been key for us first, we talk about money and are super transparent with it. So nothing's off limits in our family. And what we found is every question or challenge they give us gives us an opportunity to point them to the Word and then ultimately to the Lord for the answer. And the rest has really been to try to get them anchored on the biblical fundamentals. So for us, maybe there are five, you know, one is God owns it all. And that's been huge for alignment getting them and as a family all in agreement that it's God's money and our responsibilities to be good managers. And then from there, we've just decided, you know, we're going to be a generous family. Mm -hmm. We can meet a need. We're going to do it. We're going to live simply and pay as we go. So, you know, do with less and no debt. 
Uh, we're going to be steady plotters, so work hard, save, be intentional, no free lunches kind of a thing. And then with the rest, we're going to prioritize, and for us, it's to invest in our family and experiences. So no more golf for me, and you know, no more sodas at the gas station, but we're going to go to the beach this summer for a vacation and have a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. Money is a tool, and what a great way to use it to uh, build relationships. Uh, any practical ways just bubble up to the surface that you can think of where you taught your girls to be doers of the word with regard to money? Well, practically, you know, I came across a study in business that talked about how people learn, and they concluded it's 10% training, 20% mentoring, and 70% through experience. So, practically speaking, we've really just followed the numbers. I mean, first, Mm. we try our best to model finances God's way in our home, and it's really amazing what the girls have picked up, you know, and who they're becoming just watching mom and dad do it, both the good and the bad. And second, we practically have given them very generous allowances and huge latitude to make their own financial decisions and learn through experience. And that process for us has given the opportunity to mold them while they're under our roof, affirming the good decisions and, and then also coaching the bad ones. And we sort of try to emulate what Jesus did, you know, when he sent out the disciples and then sort of brought them back for a poured out and coaching session. Brandon, what an encouragement today. We've only scratched the surface, so we're going to have to have you back real soon. But uh, this has been really practical and I know motivating to our listeners to be intentional about how you manage money because more is caught than taught as we pass this on to our kids. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks again for having me. All right. Brandon Stevens been our guest today. He's president and CEO of Compass Finances God's Way. You can find more at compass1.org. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Absolutely free. We know you've learned to be suspicious of those words, but really, you can get biblical financial wisdom delivered to your inbox each week absolutely free. Articles, videos, podcasts, and special offers on biblical resources. Nearly 60,000 people receive our free weekly wisdom email, and you can too. Create your free FaithFi account by going to faithfi.com and click sign up to begin receiving weekly wisdom in your inbox. When we follow Jesus, the things of this world grow strangely dim. We focus less on ourselves and more on God's kingdom. In Michael Blue's book, Free to Follow, we're reminded to surrender everything to Jesus and follow Him. Free to Follow explores what the Bible says about money and possessions and challenges you to rethink the way you view and use them. Request a copy of Free to Follow with your gift of any amount to faithfi.com slash follow. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, we're taking your calls and questions on anything financial. The number to call today, 800-525-7000. We've got a few lines open. Back to the phones we go to Rockville Center, Long Island. Uh, Jeanette, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Yes, good afternoon. Um, I paid my rent in March, and um, the rental agency never got the payment. So... I went to the post office and they said it was stolen. So um, I paid them $14 to investigate. Now I'm thinking about it and um, 
I paid double in April to make up for the March rent and the rental agency gave me the grace to not evict me, um, which I, I thank God for. He had mercy on me. So I just want to drop this whole thing and have mercy on the post office. And even I'm not good with legal matters. So I don't know what I'm faced with here. So I just want to drop the whole thing. Is that a good idea? Well, let me ask you, Jeanette. I mean, certainly you can do whichever you'd like in terms of where you go from here. But uh, did you end up having to pay twice or did they credit you back for the uh, the um, cashier's check that wasn't deposited? No, they. I, I didn't get that money back. I, I paid double in April because okay. um, the check was stolen in March. So, um, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't have them at least look into it. It's not like you're going to pursue a legal remedy of any kind, but to say to the bank, "Listen, I got the cashier's check. I mailed it. Did you put it in? You put it in the mail, right, and sent it to your uh, landlord? Is that right through the postal service? Through the postal service, a money okay. order, yes. And they say they never received it, correct? Yeah, and uh, okay. The agency, yeah, they never received it. Okay. So you uh, asking the bank to, and that's who you asked to investigate it? Is that right? No, I asked the the post office to investigate it, but they already told me that it was stolen. Well, but (laughs) how do they know it was stolen? Well, I don't know. That's what he said, so. Yeah, okay. uh, all right. Uh, I, I have you talked to your bank about it? Uh, yes, I I did go to the bank, but um, it was not a check; it was a money order, so they can't do anything for me. Well, they can. Uh, a refund can be processed if your money order has not been cashed. So they have a a, a way to cancel the payment and issue a replacement or a refund for an uncashed money order. Uh, so that would be where I would go, not the post office. I mean, unfortunately, this happens with the post office probably more frequently than it should, uh, where things get misplaced or never arrive. Could it have been stolen? Sure. Could it just be lost? Absolutely. But really, what I would do is go back to the bank that you got the money order from and ask them to investigate whether it was ever deposited, because if it was, it was deposited fraudulently, and they made an error because it would have been made out to uh, I assume the, um, the, uh, landlord, correct? Yeah. Well, I, yes, but, um, I got the money order from the post office, not the bank. Oh, I see. My apologies. Okay. So they were, can, did the post office offer to investigate for the purpose of seeing whether or not it was ever cashed? Yes. I had to okay. pay $14 for that. Okay. And you've already done that, Correct. I've already done that, but I'd like to even go back tonight and tell them to forget about it. Okay. If it were me, I mean, again, this is up to you, Jeanette. If it were me, I would let that process play out. Uh, I mean, this happens all the time. You got the money order. It's likely lost. 
It probably has not been cashed. They will verify that based on this $14 investigation that has been done here. And as a result of that, you'll probably be able to get uh, that money back. If it uh, has been cashed fraudulently, then you you probably won't. And you could drop it at that point. But uh, I would let them, you know, do this research and see if uh, if it hasn't been cashed, then it can be canceled. And then you're going to get your, uh, your money back, your $267. So uh, if it were me, I would just let that process play out and let them uh, determine what the uh, outcome was. Okay. 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 Wonderful. That's what I'm going to do. Very good. Very good. Well, listen, all the best to you. Thanks for checking with us today. And I, I'm let's pray that there's a a resolution here and you can get that money back that, uh, was, is rightfully yours. And, uh, then you can move on from this. Hey, let us know how it turns out, uh, to Grand Rapids. We go, Hey Dave, go right ahead, sir. Dave, uh, turn down your radio for me and go right ahead. Okay, good, thanks. Sure. Say, Rob, I had a question concerning my um, my HSA account that I have at work. I'm still working full-time. I got a call last week during open enrollment from our HR advisor at work yeah. stating that because I turned 65 this year and I had to get into the Medicare Plan A, that the IRS says that I am no longer able to contribute to my HSA account. Do you know anything about that? Because that was news to him. Yeah, unfortunately, Dave, you were given the right information. Once you sign up for Medicare, you can no longer make contributions to an HSA, even if you still have coverage with a high deductible health plan, which is required for an HSA. Um, That actually extends six months retroactively to enrolling in Medicare. So any contributions you make during that time, you should try to reverse that to avoid a tax penalty. Uh, The reason for that look back period is because once you enroll in Medicare, you're retroactively covered for the prior six months. Um, And they started backdating Medicare coverage a long time ago to assure that people retiring and coming off an employer uh, plan wouldn't have a coverage gap. And as a result of that, that eliminates your ability to contribute. So that is in fact true. So is that, is that like a mandatory thing then once you turn 65, you have to, because I was, I understood that once I turned 65, I had to join the plan A, not the plan B, but the plan A. Is that true then? Uh, yes. So it, it begins at, uh, you know, 65 and you, you want to go ahead and sign up because you'll have a late, in, uh, in enrollment penalty if you don't. Um, so it, it is, you know, it behooves you to go ahead and, and sign up for it at that time. Okay. And I did do that. So now I had another question that was posed to me. My wife is 62. Could we go ahead, like through our credit union and set up an HSA in her account and then fund that? And if so, is there any way of getting the tax benefit for that or not? 
Uh, yeah. So as long as you have that high deductible health plan that goes along with it, uh, you you certainly could do that. And that would be worth looking at. And then you could continue to fund that into the future. The other thing is these can be a great tool for retirement, um, you know, because you can use them for a variety of things in that season of life and you can invest it. Um, so that would certainly be something to take a look at for your wife, for sure. We appreciate you calling, Dave. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for being on the program today. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but back with much more just around the corner. Stay with us. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian Credit Counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian Credit Counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. Let's head to Bloomfield, Indiana. Hi, Faith. Go right ahead. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, I have some coins. I appreciate your program. <laughs> anyway, I have some coins here. I have a nickel. It's a buffalo and an engine on the other side. And I have a silver doll, dollar, and a uh, silver dollar. And uh, excuse me, honey, I've, I've had a stroke. Uh, I've got a Kindly half dollar. Yes, so ma'am. that's all. I don't collect. I don't collect coins, but okay. I, I guess doing away because my my husband would get uh, change back, you yes. know, and uh, I, I he'd give them to me, and I just put them back. I've got sure. I think got seventy half dollars, Kennedy, and the other ones. That's all I have. Okay, and are you looking to sell them, Faith? Uh, no, sir. I, I just want to get rid of them. <laughs> Okay. I don't know uh, but if you, it's worth to him. Or my, I did talk to my son one day on the phone. Wouldn't get, get into it, but he thought that silver dollar might have been some value in it, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it, it's worth looking into just to see if they're worth more than the face value as collector's items. You could sell them through an online auction house or an online uh, auction site like eBay. Uh, what I'd probably start with is just a local... Uh, coin dealer uh, who could evaluate what you have. 
you know, for instance, an Indian head nickel could be worth $3. I mean, you could do a Google search and just see what you could find. Perhaps your son would be willing to help you do some of the legwork on them. But if you, you did want to sell them, I kind of like the idea of you starting local, maybe with somebody that's reputable who could um, evaluate what you have. And then if you wanted to extend it to a wider uh, sale, if you feel like you're sitting on something of value, that's where the online auction sites can be helpful. If not, you could either just decide, well, it's, I'd rather just hang on to them. Uh, they could always be melted down for the the uh, just the cost of the silver. But um, you may have something that's worth more value that it's worth checking into. So I'd do a bit more research, maybe see if your son can help you do some of that legwork as you explore uh, the various options. And keep us posted on what you find. Thanks for calling, Faith. We appreciate it. Uh, to Chattanooga. Hi, Derek. How can I help you, sir? Good evening, sir. What are your thoughts on the new Federal Reserve digital currency? specifically how this will impact our national paper currency and individual net worth. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I mean, the reality is it's a long way off. The central bank doesn't have the authority to do it. It's constitutionally clear. Coinage is a congressional uh, function. But you could see how, you know, this would be very attractive around the world uh, if there was a digital dollar that could be widely uh, available. If we were efficient and good at it, it would help promote the dollar as the world's de facto reserve currency and an encrypted dollar would be very desirable around the world as well. Um, the downside is it can be done with or without privacy. And I think just given where things are going as of late, that would be my concern in terms of government overreach into the lives of Americans with more visibility around literally every transaction. And that's why this is going to be hotly debated uh, and very difficult to get through because with divided government, you're going to have to have both houses and the president aligned primarily due to those privacy uh, concerns. I mean, think of this like a cryptocurrency that the central bank can track and if it was well designed, it would make transactions quick and easy. It would be legal tender as a dollar. Businesses would have to accept these and it would be stable relative to dollars uh, as opposed to the volatility of, you know, other, you know, cryptos like Bitcoin. But I think given the, the lack of privacy it likely would have, I think that's where a lot of folks are going to take issue with it. I certainly do for that reason. The good news is it's a long way off and it's going to be hotly debated. I mean, um, the U.S. is still in the early stages of this as a result of the report that came out at the request of uh, President Biden, uh, an interagency report. Congress is going to have to get involved. I mean, China uh, just recently started their um, uh, major beta, and um, now it's still in the pilot phase, but they've been working on it since 2016. And uh, so, you know, we're still, we've got a ways to go before we would have anything uh, with a digital dollar or central bank digital currency that was kind of out there uh, in the United States. So I think this is still a ways off. It's something we need to pay close, uh, close attention to. And I think it, it's, again, why we need to have people that understand uh, the free markets, God's design for economies, and the role of government in our lives um, in office, making decisions and debating these issues, because this is going to be a really important one in the future. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Do you realize, though, that they are advertising it on their website as being deployed in phases beginning in July? 
No, I, I, there's there's nothing that I'm aware of that actually has this. Uh, we we'll certainly have our team look into that, but there's nothing that I'm aware of that actually has the digital dollar coming that quickly. Um, but uh, we'll certainly take a look at it. It's a it's an interesting uh, thought, Derek. But I I think we're still a long way off before we have a legitimate central bank digital currency. Certainly nothing on the horizon uh, right now that I'm aware of. We appreciate you calling today, sir. God bless you. Uh, quickly to Indianapolis. Just a few seconds left, John. How can I help? Uh, yes, uh, Rob. Love your program. Uh, this is a question about the timing of transferring of property ownership to a daughter and her husband. Uh, we inherited 30 years ago. We're now in our 70s, and for two reasons: we're one, the caretaking that uh, that that's going to continue going forward. But the other reason that even though we're aware of the benefit of waiting until um, we leave the inheritance when we die, but they're about to dramatically increase improve the property, uh, investing a significant amount of money in building a another building for uh, for kids. Um, so the question is, uh, in advance of their putting that investment in, in addition to the fact that uh, it'll be our liability while the building is going on, certainly, but um, would it advantage them to have the property in their name now so that as he's pouring, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in, or a hundred thousand, whatever it is. Uh, any yeah. benefit to transferring it? Well, no. I could see where if they're going to actually be the ones making improvements and they're going to be borrowing money against it and so forth, having it as their asset would make some sense. The nice thing, because you all inherited this fairly recently, you've already stepped up the basis. So it could be that, um, you know, you really won't have uh, much downside to going ahead and transferring it now. I would make an appointment with an estate attorney just to talk through this, John. We appreciate your calling. I'm sorry I'm out of time. I want to say thanks to my team today and thank you as well. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.